Um, Lord, uh, yeah, I thank you for today. Lord, I just thank you for just this time that we get to come together. And uh, man, have good food. And Lord, I thank you again for those who uh, were willing to serve and to cook, God. And uh, Lord, I thank you for just the work, not only that you're doing in, in Midtown, but in Tam, uh, in Vietnam and in Costa Rica and in Boston and Kenya. Lord, and man, it's so awesome to hear just the, the fruit that you've been um, blessing in those trips. And Lord, I just want to lift up currently the uh, Vietnam team that's in Vietnam right now and the Costa Rica team. Lord, I pray that, uh, yeah, would you continue to bless their trip? And Lord, I pray for just those um, four believers that got baptized. God, man, it's so awesome and encouraging here. And Lord, I pray that would you continue to protect um, that fruit, Lord. And uh, God, I also want to pray for uh, Miles and Lisa as they are having a baby. Lord, I don't know what that uh, looked like at all. But Lord, I just want to pray that, uh, yeah, just for the baby's health, that, um, man, there will be a smooth um, delivery and that the um, Lisa and the baby were healthy. Uh, God, I also pray for... Um, Boston trip as well. Lord, I'm excited. And Lord, I just pray that would you um, just give wisdom to the leaders who are planning that trip and that ultimately Lord, it will fall out, um, to your glory and that we would see more salvations out of that trip. And Lord, I pray for tonight as uh, we dive into Nehemiah. God, uh, Lord, I don't have anything to offer but, but your word. So God, I pray that you would um, just set me aside and speak through me. Lord, would you uh, just remove my um, stumbling lips and just uh, nervousness? God, uh, would you speak to each and every one of us here tonight? Lord, I thank you. I love you. Pray all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Awesome. So actually, we're not done with announcements. So we have airport pickup. Sweet. So, man, what an opportunity for us to minister and to love on a student that some of them has never, ever like left their country. So it's like their first time coming to a new country and to be able to be their friend and show them the love of Christ. That means the world to them. Right. I know personally, my salvation testimony was from an airport pickup. Right, uh, Pastor Andrew Wong picked me up from the airport and he just loved on me like a friend. And then that attracted me to wanting to know where his love came from. And ultimately, I got saved and now I'm here. Right, and Naveen is also an airport pickup fruit. So it's not just me, it's Naveen too. Right, so man, we're trusting for more Naveens and for more, if you want me, me. Right, so man, if you have not signed up, sign up. We, we have more students that are going to sign up for airport pickup soon. So be ready and be willing. Um, and then the next one is the welcome part. Oh, oh, okay. I just stopped that. But uh, we can start. Okay, let's do it again. One, two, three. Okay, we have the welcome party. See, so if you've never been to the welcome party, man, you want to be there. It's like the best event out of the semester. You get to meet so many different people. You make so many friendships that will last a lifetime. So if you don't, if you want to know more, go to fykc.org and then just sign up there and more details will come. So stay tuned to our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and that's all for welcome party. And next one is also my personal favorite, fall retreat. So if you guys don't know what fall retreat is, it's just a retreat that um, us and Kaya, Kaya is one of the fellowships that Midtown Baptist Temple, which is our church has. So when it, we, this trip is just basically to, um, go to Arkansas, leave everything here, and just have fun with our family and hear from God. So it's a great trip. I, I love fall retreat. It's probably the, my favorite retreat out of all of them. So if you want to know more, if you want to join, man, sign up again. You want to be there. You want to be there. Yes. Okay. And I think, all right, that's it. Yeah. That's it for announcements. Woo. Now we're going into the message. All right. So um, hopefully you've um, turned to Nehemiah 1. So uh, the title of this message is A Burden from God, right? So um, 
Okay, let's just dive into it, right? So verse, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read verse 1. Uh, verse 1 says, uh, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakalah. I should have searched it up. But, and it came to pass in the month of Shislu, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the palace. Okay, so a bit, a bit of background um, before we dive into the topic. So who is Nehemiah and what is, is the book of Nehemiah, right? So first of all, the book of Nehemiah is one of the books in the Old Testament. It's actually one of the 17 historical books in the Old Testament. And uh, we know that this book is from Nehemiah. It's because, you know, it, it declares it, the word of Nehemiah, right? So it, this is from Nehemiah. And we also learn that Nehemiah is actually a cupbearer as we go down into the passage in um, verse 11. So he is a cupbearer for King Artaxerxes. Yes. Um, so what we can learn from his position is that Nehemiah is someone that has a, a well manner, right? To be able to stand beside the king. And what the cupbearer does is basically whenever there's food served to the king, the cupbearer gets to taste it first to see if there's poison in it. So he's the one that dies whenever there's poison, right? So uh, it actually tells us um, the role of this cupbearer is actually pretty important. And it's mainly in charge of, you know, testing for the food and tells us his demeanor because he has to be beside the king all the time, right? So that's the background of Nehemiah. And that's a brief background of um, the book of Nehemiah. So we move on to verse two. Um, okay. It says that Hanani, one of my brethren, so Nehemiah's brother, came and he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that, that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, the remnant there are left of the captivity there, are, there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. So, man, uh, not good, right? Very not good. Um, so now, because... Um, Nehemiah, we, we read in verse one, is not in Jerusalem. He couldn't see uh, the need that's present um, in Jerusalem, right? He couldn't see the needs of his people, um, the Jews. Um, sure, we see that Nehemiah knows about uh, the state that they were in, right? They were, they were held captive and now they're free. Yet he was, he was clueless, right? Um, as to the actual state of um, Jerusalem and, and the Jews. And he want, so, uh, however, we see that Nehemiah actually uh, asked for that state. He wanted to know the state of Jerusalem, uh, despite being far away from them. He wants to know, man, how, how is Jerusalem doing? How is, how, how are my people doing? Right. And he learns the state of Jerusalem and its people, right, man, they're in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. So it's vulnerable. People can come in and attack and take, take things from them. Right. And also the gates are burned with fire. So that's, that's their state right now. It, it's a terrible state. And I, I don't really want to live in that house, if like, imagine your house has no walls and your gate is on fire. Not a pretty scene, right? So they're in this terrible, terrible state. And now Nehemiah ha has a clearer picture and an idea of the actual need of his people, right? So one, one question that, man, I would like to present all of us here is that, man, do we see the need um, for the lost? Uh, do we see the need for the people that we're leading? Um, man, like, it's like, it's not about knowing, but it's actually knowing, right? So I'm not talking about knowing the state of the loss, but, and the people you lean, but actually knowing the state, right? It, it, it's, it's kind of funny, but it can, re, it can be really easy for us, and myself included, 
to think that their need is, is Christ. Like, oh yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, they like the last thing is Christ. But if we actually think about it, man, do we know why they need Christ? Do we know where they're going if they don't have Christ, right? Um, and just like Nehemiah, he, he knew of, of the situation of the Jews, but he didn't know exactly what their actual state is. So do we know their exact state the lost are in, right? So it's like telling yourself to work out, right? So a lot of my examples here about working out because me and Miles start working out. So that's like the only example I could came up, but it's like telling yourself you need to work out, right? Whenever someone asks you, oh man, and then you're like, yeah, I, I need to work out. I know I need to work out. And then you start running one day. And then you just feel how disgusting and unhealthy you're like, man, I need to work out. Now you know that you need to work out. Before that, you're like, oh, yeah, I know I need to work out. But now you know after you, you actually went and work out, right? So that's the difference. Uh, it hits you way different because you, you went on a run and you realize how bad it is. So um, which brings us um, to the first key point is that uh, a believer must see the actual need of the lost. Right? A believer must see the actual need of the lost. Just some water. Um, anyways, so if we um, fail to see the actual need of the lost, we fail to see the, the need for them to know Christ. Right? Uh, in Matthew 9, 36, uh, this is um, Jesus. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered brought as sheep having no shepherd my pen um jesus saw the state of the loss and it moved him to compassion and, and it should do the same for us as well right and thank you so much um and then look at look around like you and your friends your family you know they have no shepherd they're lost right and, and sometimes they don't even know it and this should break our hearts it, it should break my heart right and i'm speaking to myself here as well and then Revelations um, 20, 14 uh, tells us the, the result of someone uh, who doesn't know Christ, right? It says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. Uh, this is the second death. And whosoever uh, was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Um, so the lost um, eventually will be tossed into the lake of fire. Uh, can you imagine that? And imagine just someone that you know closely that is not saved and knowing that this is where they'll be if we don't preach the gospel to them. That, like, man, that, that ought to move us to preach the gospel, yeah. right? Um, so moving on. Uh, so now that we, we know Nehemiah sees the need, like he knows the need of the people and they're in a terrible state. The walls are broken down and, and he sees it now. He knows the actual state. And in verse four, this is how Nehemiah responds. Uh, and it came to pass uh, when I heard these words. So after hearing what his brother told him uh, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days uh, and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O Lord of heaven, this great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and obey his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open. Uh, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of uh, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. So, man, this is this is his response of Nehemiah after hearing the need of his people, right? As Nehemiah asked about the state, man, the need became really clear for Jews uh, for for Nehemiah. And this crushed him. 
right? He, it says that he, he wept and mourned for certain days. Right? He, be, he became a sad boy, right? Like he, he was sad, right? And it says that he wept and it just, and not only that, he didn't just like wept and he, he didn't just cry, but his response was prayer and fasting, right? The need that Nehemiah saw, the burden that he saw drove him to, to prayer and fasting, right? So this brings us to the next key point is that, man, our burden should draw us to prayer and fasting. Our burden, our need, um, after we see the need of the people, man, it should draw us to, to burden, uh, to prayer and fasting, right? It's one thing um, to recognize the need of the situation, but it's a totally different thing to bring that to the Lord. Um, so man, some of you might ask, what, what's fasting, right? Uh, what's the purpose of it, right? And Isaiah 58, um, it actually addresses um, what fasting is. And because of time, we don't have time to go through the whole passage. But in, um, in Isaiah 58, God addressed how the children of Israel were fasting in the wrong way. And if they fasted for strife and debate. Uh, but here's what God says about fasting in verse 5 in Isaiah 58. It says that, it is, is it such a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Uh, will thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loosen the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, that ye break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread with the hungry, and, thou, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out into thy house? Uh, when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. So fasting is an act of removing uh, the, the dependency we have towards something. And it's not only just removing that, it's placing our dependency back to God, right? And fasting is it's a sacrifice too, right? It's some, something that you're not doing. It, it can be food. A lot of times in the Bible, it's picturing food. Um, and you move down to verse nine, the result of, of fasting is that, you know, then shalt thou cry and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry and he shall say, here I am. So, man, if you fast, I'm shifting your focus, your dependency to God. And as a sacrifice to self, man, God honors that, right? So, and fasting is also a, a desperate, an act, an act of desperacy um, to God uh, uh, for God to move, right? We see countless examples in the Bible where men uh, fasted and prayed for God to move. And I don't think I have the, the reference, so you can write this down if you want. But 2 Samuel 12, 16 is where David was fasting um, for his child to live. Um, Judges 20, um, 26, the children of Israel asking God for direction in their battle with the children of Benjamin. Uh, and then Psalm 69, 10, again, David fasting and praying for deliverance. So, man, one question that I present to all of us here, does our burden drive us to prayer and fasting? So if you have a burden, if you, if you see the need for the loss, does that drive you to fasting, fast for them? Does that drive you to pray for them? Right. And, and if we have a burden for the lost, for the people we're leading, man, praise the Lord. That, that's awesome. Right. But if it doesn't draw us to prayer and fasting, because we recognize that unless God moves, um, like, like the song said, right. Unless God moves, we, we labor in vain, man, it might as well just be a, a need that we see and right? nothing's going to happen. Nehemiah recognized the need, but more importantly, he recognized that unless God moves, there's nothing that could happen. Right. So I pray that I, I and all of us here recognize that, too. Right. Um, 
And then there's one more thing that I want to point out too. Uh, in, in verse six, if you go back to verse six, it says that, um, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants. Day and night. It's not a one-time thing. It's day and night. And Nehemiah was praying constantly for, for the, the, the Jews, right? In, in Jerusalem. Man, and our burden should drive us to constant prayer, right? Not just prayer. It moves you so much. It burdens you so much that you pray to God consistently, right? And how, how many times um, have, have we prayed for something and it's just a one-time thing? And I've been guilty of this too, right? Whenever I see a need and I pray it one time, and I'm, I'm not saying that God doesn't hear our prayers when we pray one time, but then whenever during a prayer night, um, there's one time I remember uh, when there's a prayer request given, and then everyone prays for that prayer request. And then weeks later, the, that person would come out and give a testament like, man, thank you guys for consistently praying for me. And I'm like, man, I did not do that. <laughs> but anyways, uh, man, I, I'm guilty of that, right? And I, again, I'm not saying that God doesn't hear our prayers when we pray once. God hears all of our prayers, right? But if it's really a burden in our hearts, shouldn't that move us to a daily prayer for that burden, for, for God to move? Um, Luke 18, uh, verse one, one to, um, eight is a, it's a principle for a, a consistent, um, prayer, right? Uh, and I can read it. It says, uh, and it spake a, he, Jesus, uh, spake a parable unto them, uh, to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint saying, uh, there was in a city, a judge, which fear not God, neither regarded man. Uh, and there was a widow in that city and she came unto him saying, avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while, but after, afterward, he said within himself, though I fear not God, nor regard men, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, hear what the unjudged, unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I, say, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man cometh, shall he find faith on earth. Man, and this is a, just, in, just like the, the widow asking continually to the unjust judge to a point where he's like, man, I, I'm going to do what you tell me because you're so annoying, right? <laughs> and again, I'm not saying that we're, we're annoying to God and we're bugging him. Man, God loves our prayer. But if an unjust judge is willing to move because of a consistent request that a widow has, man, how much more? than a righteous and holy judge, right? So man, that, that, should, uh, that ought to motivate us to constantly pray. And one question that I had when I was, I was reading and studying this out is that, man, if our prayer lives, if, if my prayer life doesn't include or consist of my, prayer, of my burden, then is that really a burden? Or is that really a need that I see? Because that should drive me to, to prayer because I want God to move, right? Okay, you guys with me so far? Oh, yeah. All right. Okay, so uh, moving on uh, to, to verse six. Um, actually, the slides here took so long to make. I just want to acknowledge that. But so this picture here was not black and white. I had to change the color and the contrast and everything. Um, but anyways, uh, uh, verse six, right? So uh, let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, uh, which I pray before thee now day and night, 
uh, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. Uh, we have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, uh, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Verse 8, uh, remember, I beseech thee, um, and the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out into the uttermost part of heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. Man, good stuff. But man, unfortunately, because of time, uh, we won't be able to go over everything that's mentioned here. But there are great principles of prayer that we can glean from and take from, from just Nehemiah's prayer, right? Is, is that number one, we see that Nehemiah, Nehemiah's prayer included confession, right? And our prayer request uh, should include confession and repentance, right? Now we know if you're saved, if, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, man, uh, our sins have been judged in Calvary, right? We, we appear righteous before God. But how can we expect God to answer our prayer when we're living in sin, when we're actively being disobedient towards God, right? Uh, confession is, is a crucial part of prayer. Um, Psalm 32, 5 says, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, that thou forgivest um, the iniquity of my sin, Selah. So man, confession is important and we should include that in, in our prayer. Uh, but the second thing is that Nehemiah prayed back God's promises to him. And that's such a beautiful thing. And it's not because God needs a reminder of, of the promises, right? It's because we need, he needs to remember, right? We're, we're so forgetful. I, I forgot what we ate. I was going to say dinner, but we just had that. It's impossible for me to forget. But I forgot what I ate for like lunch. Right. So it's, it's important for us to pray back God's promises because it keeps us in remembrance of them. Right. Uh, and God doesn't need a reminder of his promises. Um, and how, how many of us, uh, when we get doubtful, uh, when we get anxious, man, praying back uh, to God, to God, his promises actually gives us so much peace, so much hope. Right. And so um, a lot of you know uh, that I'm an international student. If you don't know that, but like by how I'm reading the passage, there's something wrong with you. So I don't know what to say, but I'm an international student, right? And that I recently just graduated, right? Uh, so now um, the situation with international students and those who are international students, you know this, is that we're not allowed to stay in the U.S. forever. There's a time limit, man. Like we got to get out like two or three years later or maybe one year. I'm not sure. But um, so after graduation, again, two, two options, one to get a green card, right? And then the second one is to get a job within three months of our graduation. Or I guess so, but <laughs> never mind. Um, <laughs> uh, but so, <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, okay. So now, uh, before I graduated, uh, I had a job, uh, where, uh, I worked remotely part-time, right? And, not, and now at that time, my company was willing to offer me a full-time job. But here's the catch. I have to leave Kansas City, which is my home. And I know where 
this is where God wants me to be at, right? And I have to leave Kansas City to move to Arkansas. It's like three hours away uh, and work there, right? So naturally, it gave me two choices and to accept that offer and leave where God has me or um, to trust in his promises that he will provide for me here in Kansas City. Um, so um, I rejected the offer, right? Um, and it, it was a very scary situation. I had no offers at that time. So I had a time limit where I, if I don't find a job in three months, I'm out, I'm gone, right? And, and it's scary because I, I don't know what, like I've been applying to places, I've been rejected and, or they like ghosted me and that was it. Like for that for like half a year, right? And, and there, there are times of doubt. I, I'm not saying that I didn't doubt. I, I did. I, I was anxious. I was scared, right? Um, but man, I clinged on to God's promises. Right? And Matthew 6, um, 33, where God promised that he will provide whatever we need um, if we seek, seek, seek his kingdom first, right? And, and long story short, uh, I got another offer at my part-time job. So right now I'm working full-time, but remotely at the same company. I should have done that a long time ago, but, um, but that's not, that's not why I'm telling this story, right? I'm telling this story because man, I can't forget the times where I was so doubtful, but praying back God's promises gave me so much peace. I know that God's going to provide for me. And when I was scared, I prayed and I was good. I was like, you know what? God got, All right? So Man, so, man, if you're doubtful and if you're, you're scared, pray back God's promises. So much peace in that. So, um, yeah, that was, that was a little testimony. Um, but uh, moving on uh, to, to the last verse. I hope you guys are still awake. There's one more verse left. I'm not going to keep talking forever. So um, verse 11, it says, uh, Oh, Lord, I beseech thee, uh, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant. And to the prayer of um, thy servants uh, who desire to fear thy name and prosper, I pray thee, uh, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupper. So this is Nehemiah's plan. Now, how Nehemiah closed this pr his prayer was with a really specific prayer. He prayed for a favor with the king. And we, we can conclude that Nehemiah had a plan in mind when he was asking for a favor for the king, because if we read chapter two, man, when the king asked him, he had like the whole plan figured out. He was like, let's do this. Uh, give me this, give me that. So he had a plan in mind, right? Uh, and it's not enough just to, to have a burden, right? But what is the plan for, for that need, for that burden? Um, and God can move a parked car, right? Uh, in Proverbs 3, 6, it says, uh, in all thy ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy paths. So man, have a have a plan. Um, so once you have a burden, have a plan, um, and ask God to guide you through it. How, like how how are you going to answer that need? How how are you planning to answer that burden? Right? And and I'm not saying that having a plan, we must go according to that plan. Man, have a plan, and be okay with God redirecting you. Right? That's what the verse says. In in all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. So another example. Again, it's me and Miles working out. So um, me and Miles talked about going to the gym at the, maybe at the beginning of the year. And um, a lot of you know that did not happen <laughs> until recently, right? And, and actually how that happened 
was that we had like we actually had to sit down and plan for it. We had to put down a date, a location, and a time, and then we went for it. And now we're Lord, like man, praise the Lord, we're, we're being consistent. Pray for us, like I don't know, but um, man, my point is that unless me and Miles actually set a time of a place and a day, like an actual plan, it's probably just all talk. At least from me, I, I was all talk until we had a plan, right? So it's good to have a plan and to to trust God to guide you through it. Right. So that brings us to a third key point is that we have to have a plan for our burden. Right. So one question is, man, what's what's your plan? How are you trusting God for your burden? And we have like plenty of time as we break into into small groups. But as we break break up later into into Bible study groups, man, come up with a plan with your Bible study. How are you going to tackle the fall, fall semester with your Bible study? How are you going to reach out to the students at UMKC? to the new international students that we're going to meet through airport pickup to welcome party. Um, how can we effectively evangelize and how can we trust God for specific people? And what, what's the plan for a fall semester? Right. Um, yeah. So as I close, uh, I know I went through a lot. I was probably rapping at some point, but I hope that you got something out of it. Right, man, let, let's trust God, just like Nehemiah, to, to actually know and see the state of the lost and to get a burden for them, right? It's not just seeing them, but actually looking at the need and having a burden for them. And let's, let, let's not stop there, right? Let's be fervent in prayer for, for the people that God's placed a burden in our hearts. And lastly, let, let's have a plan for how we can effectively reach out uh, to, to the lost, right? To the international students, but without leaving God out of the equation, right? Again, one reminder is that everything Nehemiah did was through prayer. Uh, he prayed for the plan. He prayed for the burden. It wasn't just a burden and plan. No, prayer was the whole chapter. Well, not, but the big, like a lot of the chapter. Um, so yeah, let, let, let's use this time to, to be intentional about asking God for a burden. And I'm trusting God for that. I'm trusting God for a burden for the international students that are coming this semester, right? And um, pray for the, the people we're burdened for. So me and Aaron are picking up someone from the airport on Saturday. And man, we're actively praying for that person, right? Uh, and lastly, trust God for, with a plan for your specific Bible study. Right? FY is a big ministry. But man, what, what about your Bible study? What about that small group of people, right? How can you minister together and reach out to the lost in the fall semester? And I know for those of you who, who your, it's your first time here, and you're like, what is this guy talking about? He's talking about Nehemiah, this dude we don't know, Jerusalem, this place we don't know, and talking about their state. Man, if you're first time here and you've never heard of Jesus Christ, man, I would love to introduce you to him. I want you to know that he loves you so much as he was willing to give up his life for you. So, man, if you don't know who Jesus is, talk to that person that invited you or just come talk to me. Um, but that is all I have um, for us today. So, yeah. Thank you. Um, we can break up into small groups and then just create the way we heard. Cool. All right. I love you guys. Thank you for listening.